0: Good morning. Yesterday, people in the towns went to the polls and the results are in, as are all of the incumbents. For Wednesday, May 2nd, it's your Loudon Now Morning Minute. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rince Green. Well, if you were looking for a big upset in the town elections yesterday, you didn't get it. Five towns had elections yesterday, and all three incumbent mayors were reelected, including Percival Mayor Quasi Fraser. Quasi Fraser was elected to serve a third two-year term following a challenging year that featured the firing, suspension, and investigation of several top staff managers. In the past 10 months, the town has had five people fill the role of town manager. Frazier, a senior consultant for Verizon and a 12-year town resident, turned away a challenge from Chris Thompson. He won by a 13-point margin, pulling in 924 votes to Thompson's 717, according to unofficial results last night. Frazier said he now has three jobs to take on, finalizing the town's fiscal year 2019 budget, selecting an independent firm to conduct an operational audit of the town's organization, and reviewing the Planning Commission's comprehensive plan in June, which he said would be aligned with slow, moderate growth. In the town council race, five-month incumbent Theodore F. Greenley was the top vote-getter with 996. He'll serve on the dais with newcomers Joel D. Grew and M. F. Tip Stinnett. Grew got 913 votes and Stinnett got 910. Steve H. Warfield was fourth with 784 votes and missed a seat on the council. About 30% of Percival's 5,757 registered voters turned out to the polls this year, which is the same turnout the town saw two years ago. Over in Lovettsville, Nate Fontaine will be taking over as mayor, joined by three new council members. Fontaine won his race against Chris Consol by a wide margin and will replace Bob Zoldos, who decided to retire after three terms. Fontaine brought in 442 votes, 77% of the total votes cast. About 36% of the town's 1,600 registered voters turned out this year, compared to only 6% in 2016. Fontaine said his first order of business would be to find ways to make the town's utility system more efficient, perhaps by moving forward with a water meter replacement project, which the current town council is evaluating. He also applauded Consol for running a positive and substantive campaign. On the town council, Chris Hornbaker was the top vote-getter among the six town council candidates. He'll be joined on the dais by Renee Edmonston and Matthew Schilling. Nicholas Hayward, who had run on a slate with Hornbaker and Edmonston, narrowly missed out on a seat. Lovett'sville also had a special election for one town council seat, which incumbent Michael D. Dunlap ran for unopposed and won. Lovettsville also saw a surge in turnout. About 36% of the town's 1,595 registered voters turned out this year, compared to 6% in 2016. And in Middleburg, Councilman Bridge Littleton will be moving into a new chair in the town office. He was elected mayor by a wide margin in a three-way race with Councilman Mark T. Snyder and Vincent Batoll, chairman of the town's Economic Development Advisory Committee. It was the town's first contested mayoral race in 26 years. In the Middleburg Town Council race, Vice Mayor Darlene Kirk and Incumbents Peter Leonard Morgan and Kevin Hazard were re-elected. They'll be joined by the town's former Economic Development Coordinator, Cindy Cron Pearson. Mimi Stein narrowly missed winning a council seat. Littleton and Kirk, by the way, are both second generation council members. As for Hamilton and Round Hill, the incumbents ran unopposed and were re elected. In Round Hill, where they had fewer names on the ballot than council seats open, Amy Evers and Donald Allen won the two open town council seats with write in campaigns. Evers got 32 votes and Allen won 27. Go to slash morning minute to check out the whole story. In other news, the Loudoun County Chamber of Commerce's next policymakers series breakfast is tomorrow morning. Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority General Manager Paul Wiedefeld and Metropolitan Washington Airports Authority President and CEO Jack Potter will speak about the state of transportation in our region. So to get ready for that, I sat down with Loudoun Chamber of Commerce President and CEO Tony Howard to talk about it. So, we have talked once before about the importance of transportation and infrastructure to the Virginia economy. And as our infrastructure has not kept up with our growth, the the impact it's had. So, as a president of the Chamber of Commerce, what have you seen happening there? Well, we've seen uh, that organizations that rank
1: states as places to do business and how easy it is for a company to invest commercially and create jobs and grow the tax base. Virginia is used to, for many years, being top one, two, or three. And we started seeing Um, The state, uh, the Commonwealth, rather slip on those rankings, and not just one, not just two, but upwards of seven or eight different organizations, magazines, and other entities that rank states based on how well it is to do business in that particular state. And the number one reason why each and every one of those assessments dinged Virginia and brought us down the list, um, sometimes into the mid-teens, was uh, really the negligent state of our transportation, transportation infrastructure that... For too long, the Commonwealth has failed to invest in our roads, uh, in our airports, in our mass transit systems. And uh, these organizations looked at it and said, you know, when it comes to doing business, Virginia just isn't as competitive as it used to be. And many of uh, members of the Virginia General Assembly, as well as the administration at the time, cited that when they passed HB 2313 back in 2013, I believe it was. Uh, a landmark historic transportation bill, and they cited that as a reason why, because
0: Virginia was becoming less competitive as a place to attract commercial investment. And we have two great examples of sort of a, a, an important but beleaguered transportation system right here in Loudon. Obviously, we have Dallas International Airport, and we have Metro Rail, which will be opening mm-hmm. up soon. Um, those are two that have faced some struggles, and I yes. think that is that due to a lack of investment by and large? in both cases, or what's been the challenge? I think there's been a number of factors in both
1: those cases. I think governance is an important part. So leadership matters. Leadership matters in any organization, whether it's a media organization, a chamber, or uh, airports, or a transit system. And so they suffered from, I think, what was clearly a a lack of um, effective leadership, both in the executive position, but also in the board, too, as well. And so both those entities have undergone pretty significant changes. Um, the airports authority more than metro as it relates to their board of directors there's been a significant overhaul of the board of directors of the airports authority and they brought on jack potter several years ago on the states five years ago at this point you can please fact check me on that and i think by all accounts he's done a phenomenal job those who know jack potter and those who will hear him speak at the policymaker series event on may 3rd at the washington dulles airport marriott will see a guy who's truly no nonsense who understands his mission as a leader and the mission of the organization the airports authority and focuses all his energy and all the energy and attention of his team on that mission, which is safe travel of folks in and out of Washington using the International Gateway to the nation's capital, which is Washington-Dulles International Airport. He also has done the same with Reagan Airport, too, as well. In terms of ridership, ridership's not the term you want to use, it's passengers, (laughs) air passengers. Uh, Reagan National is doing very well, in fact, to some extent. Uh, They get a lot of uh, complaints about air traffic noise in some of the areas north of there because it's such a popular airport that they want to drive as much traffic out to Dulles Airport and sort of rebalance things. And he's done a phenomenal job of rebalancing the cost of both of those airports to make it more cost effective for an airline to bring more flights to Dulles Airport. That can only boost the passenger traffic at Dulles Airport. Um, You know, And uh, I think, by all accounts, he's done a fantastic job of taking care of that prized asset. Metro is a little bit different scenario there in that... I think some of those governance reforms. Uh, there's still more work that needs to be done. Paul Wiederfeld, uh, just as Jack Potter has, has won kudos from folks in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, Republicans and Democrats and nonpartisan, as really doing everything within his power and doing it effectively well to reform the entire operation. They had a huge safety issue, and that's a black eye. Folks, do not expect to get on a train and have a derail and be uh, injured or and or killed. And that has happened. Uh, sadly enough, it has happened over the last several years. Because they had lack of investment and lack of leadership that has emanated from, from Metro, he's done a great job of turning that around. Some will argue, and I would agree, that there's more needs to be done on the governance perspective. It's really about his board, but it's a complicated dance when you have Virginia, Maryland, the District of Columbia, and the federal government try to get them all to agree on the same course of action going forward. It's just going to take some time. We are seeing some uh, historic funding that's being provided by all of those partners to address those capital needs. I think that's going to be a sign of good faith that will
0: enable us to enact the, the governance reforms that would really put Metro on the right footing going forward. You know, you mentioned both Paul Wiedefeld and Jack Potter, but these are both also gentlemen who helm organizations whose economic ramifications reach far beyond loud. Mm-hmm. Um You know, Dulles is one of our major international hubs just on the East Coast, and yeah. Metro obviously serves the, the federal workforce. And w- tell me a little bit about the importance of these, not just to Loudoun and not even just to the Commonwealth of Virginia, but to the East Coast and the United States. Well, yeah, I think we starting with metro, um,
1: let's just talk about land use and development. You know, in the last several years, consistently, eighty to eighty five percent of all the commercial investment in the entire washington d c. area, commercial investment, not just res- not residential specifically, but commercial investment, is happening within a half a mile radius of the metro station. And so the development industry and the users of the development industry's products are tenants, Uh, Many of these are mixed use environments or residential components to them too as well. So whether it's retail, whether it's office, whether it's residential, folks like being accessible to metro because it makes it easier to get around, makes you less reliant on an automobile. If you've had the joy of experiencing Washington DC traffic, almost always top three in the nation for being, uh, m- wasting the most time, wasting the most fuel, and wasting the most money because they're stuck in traffic. Mm-hmm. And you can see the allure of being near a metro station. And so that's a great economic asset just in its own right. Uh, Dulles Airport, what can you say? It's an international gateway. You can reach any continent in one one seat uh, flight to parts of Asia and Europe and what have you. It's a great uh, economic asset. It's probably the strongest asset we have here in Loudoun County. Um, it's a great reason why a lot of companies will locate here because of the ability to get anywhere to customers, to move their employees around, and access to markets, like I said, on any continent with one easy flight. And so, um, as, as, as economic engines, they're extremely strong. And I would argue, not just, I believe that's a point you just made, it's not just the, the Northern Virginia and Greater Washington, D.C. region, the entire Commonwealth benefits from that. So one of the frustrations we have is when we go down to um, Richmond and we talk to delegate senators from around the state, intellectually they get that. They really do. They're, they're bright people and they're committed. But they also have constituents back home and it's not always that easy even a sell in Danville, in Roanoke, in Hampton Roads, and other places to make the investments. In the uh, in most recent example in Metro, because that's, that's almost entirely 80% more than that. 80% is being funded by Northern Virginians, and Northern Virginia tax sources. Mm-hmm. So they're getting very, very little help from the state. Mm-hmm. Um, to support Metro's needs going forward. And so that's a bit of a frustration, especially when you know that they get it intellectually and they know that it will benefit their regions. But it'll benefit their regions and districts over time. Mm-hmm. But they run for re-election every two years as a delegate mm-hmm. and as a senator every four. So mm-hmm. short-term interest is, and thinking is sort of baked into the process. And that's unfortunate.
0: Well, I think you and I could probably have another half-hour conversation about Northern Virginia Transportation Authority and, and the... Funding scheme we come up with this year, but uh, I do want to ask you, and I don't know if you want to tip your hand, but what kind of questions do you think you'll have for Mr. Wiedefeld and Mr. Potter when they're they're here? So, um, Virginia
1: has adopted its funding plan for the capital needs of Metro. It's sustainable, long term, ongoing, something they lack. They've always had to rely on uh, annual appropriations from their partners. Maryland has made that move. The District of Columbia has promised to do so. Uh, the other question is going to be, when do you, does he think the federal government's going to step up and meet its obligation? Metro moves the federal workforce, okay? They get the federal workforce to and from work every single day. And when they had to take a, a, the red line down for maintenance, when they've had to take the silver or orange line down for other reasons too as well, you see the impact on traffic and on the federal workforce. So when does he expect they're going to make their contributions towards Metro's ongoing needs? And secondly, what does he plan to do with the money? What is job one, job one, two, and three? What are the priority things that are going? Is that the safe track program um, that they've been investing in? Is it gonna be in expanding the system? Is it eight car trains? Is it in the power you know, necessary to uh, to drive those eight car trains? Is it gonna be more safety and improvements? Um, wh- where does he think the money's gonna be spent first? Um, I think with Mr. Potter, it's the, um, it's the old to and fro about Reagan versus Dulles, you know what's what when is that battle ever going to end or is it going to ever end in terms of our friends in Congress wanting to expand the perimeter from, by which uh, flights from Reagan National can reach the rest of the country. It was always intended to be more of a regional feeder with Dulles being the more the national airport and international airport for the region and so a lot of our friends in Congress who like the means of being able to just drive across the 14-sheet bridge to get on a plane and get back to their district, and who can blame them, have been expanding that perimeter. And it's been hurting Dulles. And it's been hurting Reagan, and it's been hurting the communities around Reagan Airport. And so even other members of Congress who represent those neighborhoods have had to step in and say, this just, it's got, it just can't continue. It's going to have to stop because you're really hurting the quality of life in our communities. Uh, and by extension, out here in Loudoun County, we realize that it's hurting uh, Dulles Airport, which is a, a huge economic asset for our community. So... What's that going to take to be able to bring passenger um, passenger levels back up on the growth curve that they were experiencing a decade or more ago?
0: Well, if you want to hear the answer to those questions, uh, again, Jack Potter and Paul Wiedefeld of the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority and the Metropolitan Washington Airports Authority will be here tomorrow, Thursday, May 3rd, at the Washington Dulles, uh, excuse me, at the Dulles Airport Marriott. I believe it starts at 8 a.m., is that correct? That's correct. All right, well, uh, Tony Howard, thanks very much for taking a few minutes to talk to us. You're welcome. Thank uh, you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Once more, that's the Chamber of Commerce's Policymakers Series Breakfast tomorrow morning at the Washington-Dulles Airport Marriott at 8 a.m. Tickets for the breakfast meeting are $55 for chamber members and $85 for non-members. For details and registration, go to loudonchamber.org. And today's podcast has already run really long, but I did want to follow up with some numbers from Give Choose yesterday. The 24 Hours of Giving wrapped up with $265,786.84 donated, which is a 20% increase over last year. That came from 1,718 individual gifts. 86% of nonprofits received a gift from a brand new donor. And here are the four nonprofits who won grand prizes for their fundraising, since it is also kind of a fun competition, a place to be for taking in the most dollar amount gifts from among large nonprofits, Loudoun Hunger Relief with the most donor gifts among large nonprofits, and over among small nonprofits, the Humane Society of Loudoun County with the biggest dollar amount, and Loudoun Wildlife with the most donor gifts. If you still want to get in on the action, the portal is being left open for a little bit longer for any last-minute gifts. You can see the full results and make your gift at givechoose.org. Get the full story on this and all these stories over at loudennow.com. On today's Get Out Loudon calendar, the Beale Street Puppets will be at Franklin Park Arts Center in Percival today at 10 a.m. Beam aboard to see the musical Milky Way Marionettes. Are puppets vaguely terrifying? Yes, they are, but it should be fun anyway. Get the details on this event and check out the rest of the event's calendar at GetoutLoudn.com. And if you like the Morning Minute, unsuccessfully try to get the president of the Chamber of Commerce to sing the theme song to tell all your friends and subscribe. Wherever you get your podcasts, it'll be waiting for you there every morning. Okay, have a great day.